You are listening to A Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. A Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which you can find in the description below. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. What's up, guys? This is Coffee and Colin, where we just chat over coffee. I'm one of your co-hosts, Isaac. I am Noah Yero, and thank you so much. Sit back, enjoy, and come along for the ride. We're gone! (laughs) (laughs) We are back. It's another episode. It's been a hot minute, so thank you guys for checking in. Isaac, I miss you, brother. I've missed you, too. But we were in Florida together. Even though we spent so much time together in Florida. Yeah, whatever. Dude, you know what's crazy? How you said it's been a hot minute? I thought about saying that. Really? But then I was like, I probably shouldn't say that because that's been overused and stupid. So I'm not going to say it. And then you said it. Yeah. Because nice. I'm I'm overused and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Just well, talking about burnout. Well, Just brother, kidding. we're back. We are back. And we got a special guest. Who do we have? We have none other... Than the one and only Faith Ann Vanskoik. Vanskoik. No one pronounces your name right, and no. it actually bothers me. What's the weird... Dude, if you see in a name, V-A-N-C-H-E-I-K or whatever it is. Sure, yeah. What is it? A-I-C-K. How do you spell it? It's V-A-N-S-C-H-A-I-C-K. But you see the S-C-H? Yeah. You're not thinking skoik. No, you're thinking shike. I mean, think of school. You know, ah, she got Squid. me there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She got uh, me there. There you go. I didn't even think about that. Honestly, I just thought about it right now, and that I've had was, that last name wow. for twenty-two years. Wow, you so. should, that should help people. Like, honestly, when they I'm now pronounce it now. Well, it doesn't matter because in like four months, I'm you're gonna kidding. be stranded. <laughs> Spirit of <laughs> Revelation, <laughs> amen. Spirit I'm not gonna have that last name Spirit anymore. Unity. Yeah. Well, amen. Faith, welcome, welcome to the podcast. We're excited to have you on. Would you just give a quick intro to the people listening so they have some kind of idea who you are, what you're doing here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my name is Faith. Um, I grew up in South Dakota, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and then moved to Missoula, Montana in 2019 with my parents. They're church planners. Um, and so I've, I am a PK, so I grew up in a pastor's house. Um, and I got my call to ministry actually in like 2017, um, which brought me here. Um, and since I've been here, I have been um, a worship leader for chapel, um, and I'm a current GA right now, and I'm also the Awaken Campus pastor here. Um, so those are a few roles that I have currently. Um, yeah, that's a, like that was as brief as it can get. And I you're think. a fiance. Uh, oh yeah, I am a fiance. Um, shout out to Seth Strand. Hey. Um, <laughs> I Baby got engaged. Boom. Oh okay, okay. I got engaged in November, so yeah, I'm gonna Congrats. get married in August. Big so. big hype. Awesome. Well. Yes. You kind of mentioned 2017 is your kind of your calling story, mm-hmm. but kind of walk us through that. What did that look like? How did that tie into your faith of Jesus? Like whatever that looks like, what, I have no idea. So just just bring us there. Yeah. So as I was saying, I am a pastor's kid. And so I kind of grew up in a Christian home um, with Christian foundations. Um, but it wasn't until like in high school that I truly got my call to ministry and truly understood what it was to have a relationship with God. Um, I would say that like 
up until that moment, my faith was kind of my parents based off of like just what happened at home, just like our nightly devotionals, um, who they told me God was, who the church told me God was. But in high school, um, I went through just really tough situations and relationships that brought me closer to the heart of God. Um, and it wasn't until like my junior year in high school, we went to this uh, camp out in Colorado at Estes Park. And um, there was this, on the last night, there was this call to ministry. And I already heard this spiel like a million times. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go up to the front if you feel called, so on and so forth. Um, but at that point, like I was still in those toxic relationships. I was still going through it. And I just, I, at that point, I thought I knew who God was, but I was still kind of living on my own with control of my own life. Um, and then the pastor went through his whole spiel of like, you feel called the ministry, like this mm -hmm. is what it's going to feel like when I call you to the front and so on and so forth. And here I was just selfish and prideful. I was just sitting there. And then all of a sudden, like my heart just started like beating so fast and I felt sick. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I didn't know if it was something that I ate. I don't know. I was just like, we went on a really, we went on a long what? hike earlier. They had bread alive. Is that indigestion? <laughs> I don't know. what is that communion bread bad? I don't know, man. <laughs> so I was just like, I don't know what's going on. But um, I had to, I had to stand up because I was like, I just feel sick. Right when I stood up, like everything just went away. Wow. And I was just relieved. And I was like, okay. And he just said, like, I feel like there's someone else out there. Like, please come up to the front. Like, you're called a vocational ministry. And I was like, all right. So I went up to the front and it was just like this relief. And I had no idea what it was going to look like. And still today, I mean, we'll mm. talk through it, but I don't necessarily know exactly what it's going to look like. Um, but at that point, like I, I wasn't, I don't know. I think I had this flawed idea of ministry just because I didn't want to be called into ministry because my dad was a pastor. Because I didn't want to be like, oh, well, I want to do what my dad's doing or yeah. um, so on and so forth. And so I didn't want to be called in the ministry because I didn't want to just be seen as another pastor's kid who followed in their dad's steps or stayed comfortable in the church. And so um, it wasn't until that moment that I truly acknowledged that God was calling me to ministry. And it wasn't because of my dad. It wasn't because of anyone else. But the fact that that's what he's created me to do. So. Wow. Yeah. That's sweet. Dude, are you gonna? Talk? <laughs> you looked at me, and I was like, "Are you waiting for me to say something?" No, I think it's crazy listening to a bunch of like, like on the podcast um, with Collins and hearing how influential camps are, right? And like the pastor speaking is like, "Who's called the ministry?" Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Dude, I've actually I never been to a camp where that was asked. Really? Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. Dead Almost serious. Every single year I ever go to church camp, <laughs> there's yeah. always the come to Jesus, rededicate, yep. and ministry. Yep. Nope. For for us, it was always. The only thing I ever heard was called to Jesus, the rededication. Um, or and baptism. Then, and then it was like, well, yeah. But then it was also like, who wants to come up and be like anointed with oil to like take on and be a leader in your community now? So mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily oh, called a vocation, right? Yeah. But it was it was a similar idea of like taking on leadership. Yeah. But that that's so dope. Like literally sitting <laughs> there and feeling sick and then you stand up. Yeah. And then yeah. it all goes away. Yeah. That reminds me so much of um, like the story of Jonah where he's being called to. And he goes the other way and he's resisting it. And when you resist it, it's just miserable, yeah. you know? But then when you when you give in to that, when you follow it, it's not that it's easy, but yeah. it's no longer miserable because you know that the Lord has called you there. Yeah. And so with with that, like kind of having that unique experience, not everybody, you know, like I didn't have this like, like feeling like that. Right. How has it been now after that? Have you had other moments of like 
physically feeling something that has been affirming or have there been moments where if that hasn't been there, has it been tough of wondering if you were still called even? Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's multiple scenarios. Um, I guess the first one would be like even following my call to ministry. Obviously, I said I was still in those toxic relationships. I was still Mm. not living a life according to God. And so although like, yes, that was a drastic change in my life. I feel like often there's this misconception that once you get called, you're like immediately holy and then you go down (laughs) the path and everything's perfect. But that was not my story at all. Um, I was called to ministry, but I still had like my junior and senior year that I was still living a completely different life than what God was calling me to. Um, And so, but I knew that I wanted to go to IWU. Um, My mom came here, her siblings came here. My mom grew up in Marion. My sister went here, my brother went here. And I was like, it just makes sense at this Mm -hmm. point to go here. And they had ministry. Um, But at that point, my senior year, I actually got into psychology. Mm. And so I actually came in as a psychology major um, with like a minor in worship or minor in music ministry or something like that. Um, But it wasn't till like FYE. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know a psychology, like I love psychology, um, but I know at this, there was a calling on my life. Um, and so I just talked to my parents a lot. And I was like, how do you feel about this? Like, because um, they always knew that I was called to ministry. Um, in high school, I was like the worship leader and youth group. Um, and I was affirmed by many people in the church. But I still, psychology seemed like the financial good decision. Because <laughs> you yep. can do like anything with psychology. Um, and so for like that first week of like FYE, um, I was just in this debate of like, do I switch? Do I stay mm. in psychology? Do I go into ministry? Um, and so that entire week, I was just uncomfortable. We hadn't even started classes yet, but um, I just I just felt very uncomfortable. And like, I had made a wrong decision, um, even though I hadn't taken any classes, even though like, I don't know. And so I actually talked to someone in like reg- the registration office and they explained to me the current program and they explained to me like, um, what it is to be in ministry. And it was just so cool. Um, and then I came and talked to Brian Bernius and he helped walk me through like different majors and stuff like that. Um, and that to me was just eye-opening because I realized that the worship ministry program that was here was exactly what my heart was going after. Mm. Um, and so I made the change. I was worshiping pastoral. I joined Kern. Um, and I just, I felt like I just fit in, Mm. um, and my heart was just so happy. (laughs) And I don't know, that to me is just so crazy because usually some people like they don't acknowledge that they're in the wrong, you know, major until they've already taken classes. They already feel uncomfortable, but like, it was just something that God was just stirring within me of like, no, you're not supposed to do psychology. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In a sense, was it like a reminder of like, remember when I called you, you know, where, cause because you talk about how you were called and then mm-hmm. you come to college and you're like registered in like psychology. And yeah. and like you talked about how you were like minor and like worship and stuff yeah. like that. But were you just reminded of your call? Yeah. In that? Yeah, I guess for a while I tried to create my own calling and mm. fit what I wanted within it. <laughs> um, yes, there are people called to psychology or social work who also do ministry. But I think the issue with me was I knew I was called to vocational ministry and I knew that my heart was for worship ministries. And so for me, I, I acknowledged that <laughs> I was being prideful and selfish when I tended to try to form my own calling um, and kind of revolve 
my plan um, around my major and so on and so forth. Um, And so that's when I actually reached out to people in the church, like my parents and other mentors from Celebrate Church, which is where I was. And I was like, can you like explain to me when you said this thing to me about like, you're called to something greater? Like, what do you mean by that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then they were able to like walk me through that. And in that moment, I was just reminded of what it did, how it felt when I was truly called to ministry and how like if I wouldn't step into what God was calling me to into full-time ministry, that I would be missing out on that like that guidance and that calling of my life for the rest of my life. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, in a way, like it did remind me of that um, time that I did feel sick and I had to stand up and just this relief and this pressure that was just off um, my body. Um, so, yeah, I would say that. But while while you're talking and we talked about like you standing up and you felt uncomfy, I, I kind of had this idea of of we think of uncomfortability and we think God's not in that. Mm. And then we think of the opposite, which is peace and like security. And we're like, oh, that's, that's where God is. Yeah. But in reality, God uses both, mm-hmm. right? God calls us to be uncomfy, but at the same time, that uncomfortability also helps us, you know, remain aware of where God's moving. Yeah. So this this kind of happened in in my calling story. And mm-hmm. I think it may have happened in yours. I'm going to ask a probing question. But <laughs> when I got my call to ministry, I immediately went back after that church camp mm-hmm. to regular life, right? Mm-hmm. We always talk about, church camp high, and then you go back to your regular routine. Yeah. And you, you usually lose that fire because you have no community and no accountability, right? Yeah. So I got called, went back to Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and I was playing travel league baseball. <laughs> and if you know anything about baseball, it's it's a super rough, like, crowd. There's a, there's a lot of quote-unquote sin that is entangled up in that. So you have this this calling, this mountaintop experience, and then you go back home. You, you said you got like this <laughs> toxic environment and what, what all, you know, all that stuff. But when you went back to Sioux Falls after you called a ministry, what did your friends and family think and say after, you know, they ask you like, hey, how's trip? Or what are you going to do in the future? Like, what was a common response? Is, was there a sense of encouragement or was it more of a lot of tearing down? Um, actually, you know, that's a great question. I'm going to think about that before I go into it. <laughs> um. Question, did you did you tell people? That is a great question. That's what I was just thinking about. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember when yeah. I got I received mine, I didn't tell too many people right yeah. after. You know what I'm saying? Like I yeah. was kind of nervous to like not nervous in the sake of being shot down. Right. But like if somebody was like, What are you gonna do? Oh, I got my call to ministry. There was just some mm-hmm. sort of like this almost arrogant yeah. Yeah. like aura around it or Plus, something. Plus everyone you know? always says oh, well, how are you going to make money? So they right. always say, what's your second major? Are you going to be a business? Yeah. Or like, they always ask, like, what's your backup plan? Yeah. I'm like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. God is not, God is my one and only plan. Yeah. Right? This is ministry. Mm. But like, when we when we get our call of ministry, so often we go back home and we kind of hide it. Yeah. And put it, because we don't want to be arrogant. And I also think there's a part of us like kind of rejecting that notion because we, we don't want to be poor. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't want to be in a glass box and all these different things that go into ministry. But at the same time, like, God is in this amazing work. Yeah. And when people ask us, hey, what happened? Like, it's also a great segue into to witnessing. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, I don't know. I was just curious about yeah. how how did that look like? Because I know Sioux Falls was not a always a great time for <laughs> no. you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not. Um, I think there's a few things here. Um, one, my parents, obviously, I'm pastor's kid. And so, I knew that if I told them, I think my arrogance came out of a different way, though, because my arrogance and pride was if I tell them, I knew I had to change. Oh, oh, that's wow. so yeah. true. Yeah. And so 
I knew that once I said that, that they would be more interested in my life. They would be, because at that point, sorry, mom and dad, um, I was living a life that I just, I didn't tell them anything because I was living such a life contrary to what they would be proud of. And so I knew that if I went back after camp and said, oh my gosh, like God called me to ministry, that they would pour into me more, that they would um, acknowledge like all the different things that I had been doing wrong and that I would have to change. Um, and so I think, like I said, like after that happened, I, I was so afraid of change and I was so afraid of my calling that I just got like, I guess, paralyzed in a way. Um, and so, and I knew that if I told my friends at in high school, that was a very secular church that I would be turned down immediately. Um, or they would push me out of their friend group because they didn't want me to try to pull them out of the situation that they were in or pull them away for the parties that they went to. Because I, I, they already knew I was a pastor's kid. They already knew I was a Christian. Um, so saying, hey, I'm calling the ministry, I just knew it would push them away even mm-hmm. more. Um, and so I would say like after camp, like I definitely held it to myself. Um, I was still a worship leader for youth. And so I still served in the church and I still had a pretty um, substantial position in the church. But I think I held that calling to myself because I didn't want to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's like, it didn't even, it didn't even, my my sharing of my calling didn't even happen until I was actually in college. And I was like, mom and dad, listen, like I don't feel good about my my major, so on and so forth. Because I did choose psychology because that was what was easy to share on stage in front of my school, or that was what easy yep. to share to my friends or or not professors, I guess it was just teachers back then. Um, But I don't know, that was just what seemed easier to me. Um, And so I would say I I was afraid of my calling in the, in that way, because I didn't want to change because I knew it would take effort and I didn't want to go through that. Wow. That, that's so real, you know? Yeah. Because I know so many people like that. And it was, I was like that. Mm Because when you share it, then it's like, now people know what happened. And now if they don't see change, it's like, yeah. What's going on? Right. So it's accountability, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, one thing you said, and I just had this, uh, this idea, um, just like to people listening and to if there's any parents listening, mm-hmm. I know a couple are some, my parents listen sometimes. They, let's go. Number one supporters, <laughs> baby. Yeah. But one thing that you said, I think is so true for others. It's like many times we go through a phase where we don't share anything with our parents. Yeah. You know, because we, we shut down. We don't want them to know what we're doing mm-hmm. because we know that they wouldn't approve. Mm. I loved and am so thankful with how, especially my dad, mm-hmm. with, with what I was struggling with. My mom did too. They were very vulnerable. Yeah. And they would share what they struggled with now mm-hmm. and in the past when they were my age. And so I remember my dad literally coming to me mm-hmm. because on Instagram, when I first got, I was following so many people like, I followed Will Ferrell. I followed, then there were like oh. some like <laughs> celebrity, like women that I thought were super attractive. So I followed them mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And he came to me and was like, hey, I just want to talk to you about this. He didn't start off by saying you shouldn't do this. He shared how he struggled with it, Mm. you know? Yeah. And so from there, he's like, I'm not mad at you. I just want to help you in all that I can so you don't have to make the same mistakes and go through all the pain that I had to go through. And from there, it was like, I can talk to them about anything, you know? And so to parents, if you're listening and you have a kid that won't open up about anything, maybe it takes you opening up about, yes, your past and what, Mm -hmm. what you like struggled through in their age. Also, what you're struggling with now, yeah. you know, you don't need to seem if you're if you're trying to stay strong for them, you're actually hurting them more than you are because they're, they right. believe yeah. that you aren't struggling, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the one thing I was curious about, because you talked about how you'd have to change, right? 
when you received your call, yeah. Before, were you living a life that people would think like, oh, this leads to a call? Obviously, they were called. Mm-hmm. You know, I get how you said you were leading worship with the youth group and those things. Yeah. But you talk about the toxic relationships, all these yeah. things. When you received your call, were you shocked? Hmm. That's a really good question. I would say part of me wasn't. Um, I had always been serving in the church. Our church had this saying, like, uh, attend one, serve one. And so for mm-hmm. the longest time, I was in, I was always serving. Even yeah. at the age of, like, kindergarten, I was singing for <laughs> the children, um, the babies, the toddlers, whatever. And so I was always in a ministry. Um, and I guess it wasn't until, like, my middle school and high school years when I actually was taking more of a leadership in our youth group. Um that people started to affirm me in my calling. Um, But it was always like, I mean, I remember this one particular instance where like they said, hey, like um, there's some time before worship if you want to share something on your heart or share um, so on and so forth. And at that point, I was so fed up with our youth group because like the the students just didn't seem to care about anything. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I guess before this song, like I wanted to share like, listen, like these volunteers come in for free to serve you guys. These people, like we are here for you and so on and so forth. And so I shared about like God's heart and how like he truly wants us to come prepared and um, humble ourselves because there was a sense of pride like in my youth group just because there were so many people in my youth group. We had a huge youth group, but there was like that click group that would talk throughout worship or like distract others. And it <laughs> was, was just- I was part of that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really, really so I, I took the opportunity to um to speak that upon them and just open up worship with the posture of humbleness. And um after like someone, one of the leaders came up to me and he at that point, like he had already been such a significant leader in my life. Um, and he pulled me behind the stage and he said, I want you to know that like I feel God is calling you to something great. And you may have not known like what that meant on stage, but I could just hear like his heart in you. And I know that he's calling you to something great. He never said, I'm calling you to ministry, but but he said, I'm calling you to something great. And then, um, just throughout my time and at celebrate, there would be like pastors who would continuously pour that into me or say like, I can't wait to see how God is using you. Um, which yes, like God can use you in different ways beyond the vocational ministry. But I had never really thought about doing that full time um, just because of the life I was living and so on and so forth. Um, But I guess like at that particular time in in brokenness, um, I was shocked that God was calling me um, because I, I was living two completely separate lives. There was the church life where I had to be the poster child PK. um, And then there was my high school life where if I didn't follow the customs of this world, then I would be the odd duck out. And so I was living these two completely different lives. But it was interesting that God was still speaking to me in this life that I was so ashamed of, of like living a fake life at the church, that that people were still speaking to me, having no idea what I was going through, having no idea how flawed I was. And so I don't know, to me, like that was just so significant in that time of my life because I was so broken, they had no idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so when people affirmed me, I was like, I, I, my immediate thought was like, yeah, right, like not me. <laughs> yeah. um, and so when God did call me to ministry in that particular year of brokenness, um, 
I I did hold it to myself a little bit because I didn't necessarily know exactly why it was me, why he chose me. Um, and like I said, like I was afraid of what that would mean. I would have to share my testimony someday. I'd have to share <laughs> about all the issues um, of faith. And so um, wow. I would say it did shock me to a certain degree just because he still used me beyond that yeah. and beyond my brokenness. Dang. I love yeah. that so much because just hearing stories about that is so refreshing because anyone could be, you know, it's yeah. up to the Lord. I, right. I can't be the one to say, yeah, you'd be someone that the Lord would call. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if I were yeah. to say that, it would be more like, like looking at people and being the ones that in my flesh would think that they wouldn't. Those are probably exactly who he's going to call, you know? Yeah. Because I remember talking to people and they're like, dude, if we just had, you know, more celebrities coming to the Lord, like Justin Bieber, whatever you think about that, but like Justin Bieber and other people and like singing about him mm -hmm. and all this. I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. But if we read the Bible, it's not the famous, not the proud, yeah. not these right. people that are esteemed in, in society. It's yeah. the weak and the broken that he chooses, right. you know? And so that's a beautiful picture to see. Yeah. That he chooses the the weak and the broken to show and display his glory, to be yeah. a part of his his yeah. great work. And I would just little PSA, like encourage those around you. I know mm -hmm. it sounds so stupid and like yeah. so cliche, but so many callings, so many moments with God come out of a space where someone said, I feel like the Lord is is working in my heart to say, hey, you are called or you you are, you know, just, just an encouraging word goes a long way. Mm -hmm. And in a, in, a, in a culture where we tear down and cancel, the wonders that an encouraging word does. So, yeah. like, if if I could just say, like, a little PSA, that that would be it. But from from your story, Faith, from what you've gone through, all the uncomfortability, all of the ups and downs, all the ebbs and flows, the merging of two different worlds to mm -hmm. where you're called in this poster child to this ashamed life coming into one, all of this, what would you say, like, God has, has been teaching you slash taught you all throughout that as we kind of wrap up this this beautiful coffin calling. Yeah. Um, I mean, so much. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to, to share one particular one. Um, I guess something that really hit me um, in our class last semester in Christology um, with Jonathan Morgan, um, it was, I read out of this one book for my paper, it was that God, Jesus, when he was on earth, he was um, actually denied access to the temple at one point to teach. They didn't want him in the temple because he was teaching something so beyond what was um, believed at the Jewish temple, so on and so forth. And so what I read was that was when he would go to the lakeside where the lakeside and outside the temple was full of those who were demon-possessed, those who were the outcasts those who weren't even allowed to be in the temple. Um, and it was there that Jesus did most of his teaching. Um, I mean, that's even where he found his disciples was along the shore in a boat. And so for me, I guess acknowledging that in that, in that time in my life, I am so glad that Jesus was rejected by the Pharisees, so on and so forth, to teach in the temple because that allowed him to be with those outcasts and to be with those who are demon possessed and to minister to them. And so I guess when I look back on my story, like I see myself as Mary Magdalene or, you know, the demon possessed man who is just begging for money or begging for healing outside the temple gates. Mm. And it was just like, that to me was just so more real about who Jesus is. And 
if Jesus himself, the son of God, preaches to the outcasts and gets dirty with those who are um, seen as unholy, then not only did that save me, but that gives me the opportunity to do the same thing. And so what he's been teaching me is, um, I mean, I'm also called a Uganda, which I, I could have gone into that a little bit, but I... <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> oh my god! Kind of just dropped that bomb there. <laughs> um, but... Need part two. <laughs> but yeah, God, I mean, that's a whole story in itself and just God calling me to Uganda, God calling me to specific countries and places that, um, I mean, obviously there's been missionaries who have gone there, but I know that God is calling me not to preach necessarily in the big church. I don't, I'm not called to be a senior pastor and obviously that could change in the future, but I know that right now God is calling me to love and to be compassionate. And that's, that's speaking to the outcast that not even the church wants to deal with. Um, because I think that we, we get so caught up in the, I don't, I don't think we acknowledge that demons are still present. Evil powers are still present. And I think that that is something that if we are not aware of that, then we will neglect and we will actually give power to the, to the enemy. Mm. And so acknowledging like that there are people who are still broken, who are struggling with um, the enemy on a daily basis, who are not being they're not going to go to church because they feel shameful. They're not going to go to so on and so forth. And so that's, that gives us the opportunity to go out into the community and reach them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I don't know if that if that was answered anything. No, that, that makes sense. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. just calling an audible, but I think we may need a part two with faith. Do it. We might. Uganda? Um, My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> just to see like the transformation of the call, mm-hmm. how yeah. it's, how it's yeah, grown. Yeah. So we always talk about the beginning, but never where we're currently at. Yeah. So that'd be really interesting to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we are officially out of time. Faye, thank mm-hmm. you so much for, wow. for taking the time. Mm-hmm. I know we hang out all the time and we see you literally all the time. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that we sometimes bypass those important conversations. Yeah. So thank you for sharing your heart. And all those that are listening, stay tuned for part two with Faith. So <laughs> adios. We'd also like to take a second to thank the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Wesleyan University for using their facilities. We want to thank The Call Collective for producing all of our podcasts. The Call Collective seeks to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To find out more information, visit at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Call Collective. Thanks for listening again and taking time in your day to have the chance to be formed by the conversations we have over coffee. See you guys next week.